0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: You got one with you? Ooh, you got a whole yeah, pack. Sure. I got four with me. You got the you got the sampler
2: pack going on?
1: Yeah. You Ooh. See it. Which one are you going to go with today?
2: I'm. It's either easy peasy lemon squeezy. Okay. Or Blood Orange Vodka Rita.
1: Well, crack one of those cold ones open during the cold open, my man. The cold open on this episode proudly brought to you by Heritage Distilling, the Heritage Distilling Company, everybody. Heritage has these brand new mixed cocktails that come in the can already mixed up, ready to go for you guys. Which one did you go with?
2: Uh, the Orange Vodka Rita. Yeah? How is it? it? It's delicious. Who doesn't like cracking an in- Orange vodka at nine a.m. Hey, speaking of
1: the Kraken, they're two and zero in the preseason. Have you seen that?
2: Does preseason count in hockey, though? It, you know, in football, no. we don't we don't pay it much mind.
1: No, but they're two and zero, and you know we're feeling good about that in yeah. Krakenland. Speaking of Kraken. Unde-
2: undefeated, yeah,
1: just casually sipping on that thing. You know what, yeah. though? For some reason, the cans look a lot bigger in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at the size of that can. Wait, hold that up. What? That
0: does look like a tiny can. That's a real can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look
3: at a giant hey,
2: And it you, matches my less ride shirt. You put the heritage distilling
1: mixed cocktail can in my hand, and it looks massive. You put it in Lofa's hand. <laughs> He's gonna need put, six of those things. I put
2: the, I put the hair in heritage. <laughs> Even though it's not spelled the same.
1: Whether you're checking out their Cocoa Bomb Whiskey or you're checking out their mixed cocktails in a can, Heritage Distilling, everybody. Brand new partner of the show. You can grab the sampler pack out there now. And it also comes with that nice, the plastic top on that. You see that? It's not the old school one that the fish and the birds get caught in. It's the new environmentally friendly one. Oh, yeah. Heritage Distilling, doing it right, everybody. Check them out. And thank you you to them for jumping on board we really appreciate their support and of course the reason that they jump on and support this show is because all of you listeners out there support our sponsors and continue to do so and so then they support us and the world goes round.
2: it really is a tasty beverage
1: (laughs) what's it taste like
2: it's pretty smooth it's uh i love blood orange so it's it's a great mix for me yeah and you know Normally a tequila guy, but maybe they could switch me to vodka. Oh, yeah. My son.
1: I take my son to the farmer's market sometimes, and he didn't know what a a blood orange was. But they sometimes they'll put out like little samples or little wedges of different fruits or whatever you try. So he's like, what is this? And the guy goes, that's a blood orange. And he was like, I'm in. That sounds evil and dark and dangerous and whatever. (laughs) So we come away from the farmer's market. He's got it all over his shirt and everything. He's a blood orange fan, but I got to tell him these ones are for daddy,
2: you know? I thought you were going to say he didn't know what vodka was. <laughs> and you, you introduced him. <laughs> Party responsibly, fellas. Yeah. You ready to start the show? Spin that record, DJ. <laughs>
0: You want to run uncovered. yeah, unapologetic for the chum, yeah. and no politics in this club, just dirt from the streets and the cliques in the moor, take 12, best podcast for the Seahawks, number one sports talk, yeah, we got it online, take every episode 12 hot takes, hot takes. and we for Seattle, my place,
1: it's the Take 12 podcast on the Believe NFL Sports Network. Check out that horn section, everybody. I'm Brett, lifelong Seahawk fan, and your host for the next three hours. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we do have a very special guest on this episode who can talk, man. I mean, it's his job to talk, so that's what he does. Uh, a mystery guest. A mystery guest? Or did we name this episode after him? I'm going to just say mystery guest. If you saw his name in the title, that's because I didn't know we put it there. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody. The Take 12 Podcast is proudly brought to you by Heritage Distilling, Fit My Foot, BetOnline.ag, ButcherBox, Simply Seattle, and of course much, much more, and we do appreciate your time and you guys tuning in. On this episode, we have a check-in with the guys from Believe in Lions podcast. Jack Kavanaugh is the host, and Glover Quinn, ex NFLer, uh is, is uh, well, he's their lofa, basically. And so I had a chat with them about the upcoming matchup with the Lions coming up this weekend. And then after we do that, we have our very special mystery guest who you guys will find out how that is coming up very shortly but before we go to glover and jack let me tell you about fit my foot who has revolutionized the footwear industry they brought custom footwear to your smartphone by the ability to scan your feet through their award-winning app you go to any app store download fit my foot take a few pictures of your feet not in a creepy way And they will send you their custom insoles within 14 days. 99% of their customers reported increased comfort, 82% reported less foot fatigue, and 80% of people reported feeling less pain. I mean, come on, if you're on your feet, if you're playing sports, if you're doing anything, you're walking around, you're standing, why not make your tootsies comfortable? These insoles have a long-lasting premium footbed, shock-absorbing heel cushion, and 3D-printed custom arch support. Take 12 listeners can use our exclusive promo code LOFA20, that's LOFA, lofa A two zero to get 20% off right now. And speaking of right now, please enjoy my conversation with Glover Quinn and Jack Cavanaugh from Believe in Lions. Hey joining us on the Fit My Foot hotline. How about that, Katie? The Fit My Foot hotline. It's uh, Glover Quinn and Jack Cavanaugh from Believe in Lions. What's up, guys?
0: Nothing much man. How you doing?
3: Oh, we're hanging in there. What's up, Jack? Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for have us, having us on the show. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to chat on air. We've chatted in the past in meetings and such, but nice to finally get this one out in public.
1: Clover,
0: what's with your man Jack here? Is it too bright in his house or what's going on? <laughs> man he's just super cool man from the first time the first time we jumped on the pod and i actually saw him for the first time i'm like wow this guy's got sunglasses oh this is actually <laughs> kind of funny yeah um and he wears them every single time so i haven't seen matter of fact no i think he took them off after the show last time he took him off and wiped his eyes the first time i seen his face so um <laughs> <laughs> man's got I didn't swag. Realize that.
3: i thought you'd seen the eyes before the big beautiful blue eyes that uh, are brought out up. by the Calvin Johnson jersey. I mean,
1: almost. Oh, there's his eyes. Wow, that's an internet exclusive, everybody. <laughs> almost <laughs> as much swagger as when Glover was playing, Jack. It looks nice. Almost,
3: almost but not quite. Yeah, not I don't quite. think I'm ever going to get to that level, though. <laughs> hey,
1: Glover,
0: possible,
1: Glover, let me ask you, man. Let's start with you. Former player. I mean, let's break this thing down. Seahawks at Lions this weekend. What has you nervous about the Seahawks, if anything?
0: Uh, what has me nervous about the Seahawks? I can't really say anything from the Seahawks other than maybe D.K. Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett, given that we just lost Tracy Walker for the year with an with a Achilles injury. Mm. But I'm more concerned with the lines, with DeAndre Swift, you know, possibly sitting out for the next two weeks and the health of Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know how explosive that offense can be without those two guys. So that's the one thing that I'm worried about going into this weekend.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Glover's a former player, Jack, so they don't get too, you know, nervous or flustered about anything. But you as a fan, Jack, is there anything at all that has you nervous about my Seattle Seahawks?
3: Well, first, I am worried that we are going to be without Swift and er, DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown. Neither of them practiced today, so that's worrisome. I'm also worried about the Lions letting last year's game impact them in this one because last year, everyone remembers DK Metcalf. Three touchdowns. Now, the guy that was guarding them, Efiatu Melafonwu, he has moved to safety. He's no longer a corner, so that won't be a matchup. But three touchdowns to DK Metcalf. You can't have that. And the other thing, Rashad Penny went for 170 in that game. Now, the Lions defense has improved. 6.8 yards per carry, though you can't let that happen. So that is what worries me is letting the mistakes of the past come back to bite us well
1: I've got some good news for the two of you then because DK I mean he had a good game last weekend one TD but they're not really going down the field with him and then also for Rashad Penny a lot of people in Seattle want him to get more carries so both the things that you guys are worried about are the things that we want to see in Seattle
0: well, I don't know if that's good news for us, because that mean that they're gonna try to do that this game, right? They're gonna try <laughs> well, to push true. the ball to a DK Metcalf. They're looking you. at this as this is a game that probably can get him going, right? Mm-hmm. Get Geno Smith pushing the ball down the field, you know, losing a safety. How do they feel about the lines? Do they respect the line secondary, or do they say DK is just a bigger, better, faster, stronger guy, and we're gonna give him opportunities? And they put a couple balls in the air. So from the Lions standpoint, they got to be ready to make plays on that. There's going to be opportunities out there, man. That's what you want. You want the quarterback to put the ball up in the air. And from the running game, I mean, I think the Lions defense has been pretty solid for the most part this year against the run. I mean, Dalvin Cook was on his way to 100 yards last game. But I think for the most part, they've been OK. I think they can slow uh, Penny down. And the thing about offenses in the run game and all these different things, It all depends on the flow of the game. So without Amon Ross St. Brown and without uh, DeAndre Swift, can the offense of the Detroit Lions put up enough points to put pressure on Seattle to get rid of the run game? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if they keep it close so they're controlling the game, they're going to feed it to those guys the entire game. And at some point, you got to think they're going to break one or two. You guys kind of just get tired. So it kind of goes both ways. Can the offense or the Lions – take the Seattle Seahawks out of their run game
1: yeah well the thing that has us nervous up here in Seahawk land is our defense I mean we gave up I think uh let's see checking the numbers one million yards to Cordero (laughs) Patterson last week who is only a new running back for like what the last two years only but I mean he he was running up and down the field you guys are talking about it Swift is going to be out but who's backing him up that we should be nervous about
3: Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is the two. He's been Uh more of a 1B so far this season. He gets all of the short yardage, all of the goal line touches. And throughout his career, it was, was interesting. I saw this tweet from Eric Moody over on ESPN. And throughout his career, he has had over 15 touches 20 times. And he averages 96 yards from scrimmage in those games. So Jamal Williams is fine when asked to be the lead back. It just never happens because he's been behind Aaron Jones. He's been behind DeAndre Swift. So, in Mm -hmm. Detroit. Well my take on DK is of
1: course he's you know freak of an athlete like the guy is just an absolute beast out there and all the talent all of that kind of stuff but sometimes what we see here in Seattle is him getting taken out of his game a little bit when it becomes sort of a one-on-one thing with him and whoever he's guarding he's really trying to get physical with him sometimes he really is trying to stiff arm and that opens him up to fumbling sometimes when he's trying to get those extra yards I mean Glover Talk to us about how you as a defender or you on the other side of the ball kind of play those head games with these guys sometimes. And 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 have you seen that work in the past? And and do you know what I'm talking about with DK?
0: Well, yeah, That's but that's what you get from watching the game. That's what you get from being a fan of the game. When I played, I was a fan of the game. So I didn't just watch the film that they give us. I watched the game on TV. I want to hear what the announcers are saying. I want to hear what they're saying. They've interviewed people in the building, other players, And they're talking about the game. And you also just want to see the guys play the game, see them on the sidelines, see them interact. You want to see all these different things. And you can clearly see DK definitely does get into that one on one matchup. Why? Because he's been big time. He's been DK Metcalf. Right. So these guys go out there on that field and they know that the lights are on. They know that when they come back to their phone their Twitter is blowing up either way. Either they did good or they did bad. And their Mm. Twitter is blowing up. Their Instagram is blowing up. The media is blowing up. So these guys have a reputation that they want to uphold. So when he's not getting involved, he's going to get upset. He's going to get frustrated. Why? Because he's DK Metcalf. On the other hand, when he's balling, he's getting targets. He's having a great game. He's going to be this exciting guy. So as a player going into that, hey, I want to get physical with him. Right. I want to rough him up. Mm-hmm. I want to do that because I know he'll get into that type of game with us. And if they can't get him the ball, he's going to get frustrated. And then that negative energy can feed into the whole sidelines. And every now and then we can get him trying to be over aggressive and give us a ball from a fumble or something like that. So as a player, I'm going, I'm-, I'm going into the game with that type of mentality. It's going to be physical. It's going to be, you know, tough game, all game. I know that. I got safety help over the top, so I'm getting hands-on. I'm being physical with him on any and everything underneath. When are guys checking their phones? Is it halftime? I didn't check my phone until after the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the rules now. They may come in and check their phones at halftime, but I didn't check mine until after the game when I had uh, got out the shower. I always came in, got undressed. I was almost the first one in the locker room every time. Maybe the second depends on, you know, who, who we were playing. Um, but I always come in, get undressed. I try to be done, had a shower by the time the coach come in to talk, because if you got to wait now, it's a log jam to get in the shower, right? (laughs) So I'm trying to get in, (laughs) I'm trying to get in, let me get showered before coach starts talking. Yeah, I got you. So then when coach starts, stop talking, everybody go get in the shower. I can get dressed. I talk to the media and then I'm out of there.
1: It's funny because, uh, on this very episode, we have. And he talked about that in his playing days. At halftime, some guys would, uh, you know, smoke a cigarette, smoke it's cigarettes 20- and stuff. Back then. twenty twenty two, guys are checking Twitter. It's just different <laughs> times, Katie. You know, that's all. Um, of course, we're traveling to Detroit, which was the site of our uh, first Super Bowl that the Seahawks went into. We had to play against two different teams in that game: the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> And the referees. So playing in Detroit is not necessarily every Seahawk fans um, on every Seahawk fan's wish list or anything. But we hope there's a good game with you guys this weekend. Well, since you guys aren't here in Seattle, and we are here in Seattle, we're a bunch of homers. Let me ask you guys, uh, what, from a sort of national perspective, or, or especially from a perspective there in Detroit, what, what's everybody thinking about this year's version of the Seahawks?
0: Well, I know I can speak for myself, you know. And, and I say this a lot of times with the Detroit Lions, because sometimes when you're in your bubble, you're in your state, you're in your community. You may feel differently about your team, but from a national, a national perspective, it could be totally different. Right. We felt I felt that way about the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to say this about the Seattle Seahawks. I feel me personally. I feel like they're not that team but they're living off of the old reputation of being Seattle. They don't have Russell Wilson anymore, so their offense isn't doesn't get the same respect. Yeah, they still have DK Metcalf. They still have Tyler Lockett. They're still Seattle, but people don't fear or feel that way about Geno Smith, right? Used to, if they had Russell Wilson on this team, they'd probably been looking at this team as a playoff contender, you know, Super Bowl contender, But he's not. And now we don't even think they're probably going to make the playoffs. This is just national. But you look at their defense. They had so many great years with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard Mm -hmm. Sherman and Bobby Wagner and all those guys rushing the passer and legion of boom and all that stuff. And they're still trying to live off that reputation. But they just don't have those guys anymore. They're just not there. And so we always we're sitting back waiting. Oh, to see how the D see to see how the defense is going to make a play. They're going to do. Oh, they're going to. They, but they're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. yeah. So we we have to accept them for who they are, right now. Not for what they've been in the past and this and this and that, but who they are right now and right now they're just not that team well, I think that's what we're all looking for here
1: is 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 you know they're 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 not the team from the past it's different players it's different guys and what we're looking for is for this new group and these guys and this team this year to establish who they are and show us their identity and I mean but but it's easy for us as fans and you know, idiots with microphones in front of our faces. I'm talking about Jack and I, uh, Glover, not you. um, To sort of say that and say, hey, this team needs to get an identity or establish an identity. But as a player, I mean, where does that come from? Does it come from the players? Does it come from the coach? We need someone to step up
0: here and establish it. But this is the thing. The coaches didn't change, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The players changed. So these organizations, this is what they do, right? Right. They have body types, and they just try to replace the bodies. They're going to be them. Their system is going to be their system, their play calls. This is what they like to do. They just try to replace the bodies, right? You look at it from a defensive standpoint. They love Cam Chancellor. We lose him. Who do we get? Jamal Adams. We love Earl Thomas. We lose him. Who do we get? Quandre Diggs. We love Richard Sherman. We lose him. Who do we get? Shaquille Griffin or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, was, Shaquille right? Griffin and now we on, on it, Tariq Woolen. We yep. love this guy. Who do we get? That guy, right? You look at all over the – you look at New England, right? We yeah. love – you can go all the way back to Wes Welker, right? You can go back – who was the guy? It was the one before him probably, right? But we love him. We lose him. Who do we get? Julian Edelman. Dan, they just – you just try to get bodies to fit what you want to to be, Right? So defensively, they're trying to do the same things that they done with the Legion of Boom. Those guys just aren't the Legion of Boom. Offensively, they're trying to do the same things. They, they love the running game. Geno Smith is not Russell Wilson. He's just not. So the things that you did with Russell, Geno is not going to excel at that. You have to do what Geno is good at. That's why you always have this mix-up because a lot of those players – might have fit with that scheme or with that person or that player because they had that vibe, right? DK and Gino, they might be on two totally different wavelengths just because of their play style and their game style. And so it takes a while for them to gel and get on the same page because in OTAs, everybody's just kind of like kind of chilling. It's a very uh-huh. We, you know, you have quarterback controversy. You don't know who's going to be the starter to preseason. Well, these guys aren't practicing like that in training camp anymore. They're not playing in the preseason to get those reps. So, I mean, you always got to say it's going to take five or six weeks during the season for these new groups to jail. So, I think it'll be a while before we see exactly who this Seattle team will be this year with Geno as the lead. Unfortunately, you guys may be one in five or one in six by the time we figure that out. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I got to get you guys' prediction for the game. We do a score prediction challenge on our podcast, brought to you by our partners at Simply Seattle. Go to shop.simplyseattle.com. Use our promo code TAKE twelve for twelve percent off of all of your ordering uh, at Simply Seattle. It's the Northwest Premiere clothing outfitter for all of your pro sports teams and all kinds of things for the pnw hoodies sweatshirts hats all kinds of stuff take 12 percent off with the take 12 promo code guys what are your score predictions for this game how's it going to turn out
3: for me i think it's going to be close to start and then the lions are going to come away with it at the end so 31 for the lions Seahawks going to come in with 23 points. They're going to hang with mo- with the Lions for most of the game. But late third quarter, fourth quarter, Detroit is going to pull away. And this time, they're not going to let their foot off the gas. They are not going to kick in opportune field goals, and they are going to close it out.
1: I hope you're as wrong as wearing sunglasses inside. Grover? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little on the fence right now. You know, I'm still... I'm still... Having a hard time trying to to get this one because I love the Lions fans. I love Ford Field. They're going to be rocking. I understand that. The thing that scares me, like I said, is without Amon Ross St. Brown and without DeAndre Swift, I don't know if they can score 30 points. So that worries me. Without Tracy Walker in the back end, I got to give two. I got to give two. Uh-oh. If Amon Ross St. Brown is playing, I think I, I think DeAndre Swift is already out, right? Somewhere. He's he's out for two weeks or so. If Amon is playing, I'm going to give the Lions the win. 24 to 10. Mm. Well, no, not 10. 24 17.
1: Okay. That's a little better. I'll take that.
0: 24 17. Right. But if Amon is not playing, then I think it would be flipped. I think Seattle will get the win. okay
1: all right that's about what I was gonna go I mean Seattle put up points last week which we were all excited to see I I think we can put up points again but it's not gonna be you know 40 or so I think Seattle goes 28 and then it's always a weird score for some reason with the Seahawks so give me the Detroit Lions at 25 I think we're gonna squeak this one out and hopefully get it right. What, you uh, get a safety? <laughs> hey, did you see that Denver Broncos score last week? All oh, things dude. are possible, dude. Glover. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for joining the show. Really appreciate your time.
3: Um, tell us and tell our listeners where they can find you guys. You can find me everywhere at Javana 87 Twitter, Instagram, The Works. You can find both of us at Believe in Lions, the podcast on all the streaming platforms, and you can find Glover a bunch of places on instagram twitter he's got he's got a lot going on a lot of cool projects <laughs> <laughs> just start searching you'll find
1: him thanks a lot guys enjoy the game this weekend
0: all right thank you Matt.
1: thanks guys well i hope those guys are wrong and i know you guys hope those guys are wrong does that make sense use guys did i say <laughs> use guys we're not editing it out it's a homemade podcast it doesn't matter Coming up next on the show, our chat with a mystery guest. Now, this conversation was supposed to last about 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes at the most. We talked to this guy for almost an hour. Why? Well, mostly because he talks for a living and so do I, and so we both can really talk. But also because I think he enjoyed his time with us and we certainly enjoyed our time with him. He's a Seahawks legend. He's only missed four Seahawks games in the history of the franchise. Who could I be talking about? Well, you'll find out shortly. You can bet that I'll play that interview soon. BetOnline.ag, everybody. If you want to wager on this weekend's games, go to BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up at betonline.ag. So if you put in 50 bucks and then you use our promo code, you get a hundred bucks altogether. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? No, no, no. 50%. No, no, no. You'd get 75. 50% welcome bonus. Yeah. You get 50% bonus of what you put in. So no, no, you get 75. Does that make sense? All told, I can't do the math with my shoes on. If that's not what you get and I'm wrong, email (laughs) Jimmy Betts. He'll make it right. (laughs) All right. It's time for our conversation with a very special mystery guest who, like I said, this interview went long. So what I've done is I've edited it down for you guys. We've put the whole conversation on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash take 12 pod sign up for the patreon get the entire conversation but right now i want to play for you some selected cuts that i think you'll find interesting enjoy it and i'll be back to wrap the show in a little bit Lofa, you know who our guest is, but the listeners might not yet. So let's do a little bit of Guess the Seahawk for them, okay? So don't give it away, all right, Lofa?
2: I'm not going to say anything. Okay,
1: (laughs) Joining us right now on the Believe, or no, sorry, on the Bet. Joining us now on the BetOnline.ag hotline, former Seahawk. Let me give you some stats. You guys see if you can guess who this is. Born June 2nd, Louisville, Kentucky. Six foot two, 195 pounds. Graduated from Trinity High School in Louisville. College at Georgia Tech. Second round draft pick. Number 59 overall for your Seahawks. 68 receptions in his career, 1,017 Ooh. yards and three touchdowns. Ooh. Any guesses nice. out there? It's legendary voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joining us on the yeah. show, everybody. Wow, Steve, wow, thanks for being here. That's
4: legendary, first of all, was a word that's not been thrown around with my name very often, so I, I appreciate that. Oh, come and, on. And, yeah, you know, when the stats, uh, there were – I can't remember how many touchdowns, but there weren't enough of them because I can remember every one individually, so obviously there weren't, <laughs> there weren't enough. But it was, it was a fun – trust me when I tell you, it was a fun career, six years as a player, and, and loved every second of it except for the injuries, And, and as Lofa can attest. Oh, that yeah. catches up with you after a while. Hey,
1: man, you got 84 games played, 68 receptions, th- broke 1,000 yards, like I said. I mean, that's 15 yards per reception and then the the three touchdowns. But also a member of the inaugural Hawks team, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah,
4: 1976, our very first, uh, very first year. Yeah, And, um, you know, really, really proud of that. But the other thing, too, was... You know, we came in and there was there was no expectations. Um, they were just the community was just really happy to have a team here and mm-hmm. it had taken a number of years to get that team. And then we uh, then we're here and we're starting to play. You know, we were two and what two and twelve our first year. I think uh, we were only playing 14 games in those years, six mm-hmm. preseason games. Oh, wow. So we played half a college season and it didn't count. <laughs> You know, and that's how you start out your pro career. Oh, man. So, uh, and then I think we won four or five games our second year, and then boom, then we made the jump. There were so many of us young guys. Kind of that third year, as Lofa can attest, is sort of the year when you really start catching on. And, we're, you know, I know the Seahawks of today are hoping that their young defense catches on a lot sooner than three years, but that's sometimes what happens. And, and uh, just it was just great to come out here from – you know, the Midwest and come out here, stay, play my entire career, start another career, meet my wife yeah, and make this our home.
1: Had you ever been to Seattle before at all? Oh,
4: no. No. no, it was like the last stop before China or <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Alaska. I, yeah. That's all I knew about it. And, and the music, the song about the bluest skies. That's it. That's what I knew about Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see it until after the draft. They had a, uh, uh, they had a kind of a, an orientation if you will for rookies. It was a weekend. And so we're coming in over Highway 99, you know, kind of that back way into the city.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And we kind of sort of come up over this rise and start to go down the hill that now we do every day when we're if we're on I-90 if we're on 99. And there's the city in front of you mm-hmm. suddenly with the water on the left and the kingdom was right in the foreground, yeah. brand new kingdom. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is really special. This yeah. place looks unbelievable and it turned out that it was great except for the drizzle
1: <laughs> yeah well from time <laughs> to time according to wikipedia you shaved your mustache after cairo went to high def but it looks like it might be back are you rocking the stash again steve no
4: no oh. that's just a gray upper lip oh okay um that's no i when i first retired when i when i retired from tv two years ago uh, uh and, and got off the newscasts I, I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna live life dangerously after I can. <laughs> so I grew one of these things, you know, the, the stash with the goatee oh, thing, goat the teeth. Goat thing yeah. that yeah. yeah. Uh I, I didn't I didn't do any of this up here, but I did this. And I had it for about six months. And Sharon, my wife, she God bless her, because she said, you know, that's really not that makes you look <laughs> even older than you already are. And I said, Well, that's that's not very good. And 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 she was honest. She said, you know, I I don't much like it very much. It's sort of like you know kissing a sponge or a brillo <laughs> pad or something. So, so we said okay, let's get rid of it. And and, uh, and you know I let the hair grow kind of long down in the back. Oh and yeah, all that stuff that, that idiots do, and that didn't last long either. So hey man, you were know, um, retired.
1: I, You're out of the suit. You can do whatever you want, man. Yeah, well that
4: part now is really good. Uh, yeah. i've had a suit on i bet i can count on one hand the number of times i've worn a suit since i retired and yeah. that's okay too I'm, I'm, good for I'm you good,
1: good for that. you yeah. man well the tight ends on the hawks they're they're all growing stashes i don't know you've seen will disley's yep. got a stash yeah. i think he tried will to get colby to do it so if you want to bring it back man it's in vogue this year with the yeah, team
4: I, I think i shan't um <laughs> I, I think i'll just i think i'll just go with the kind of the naked face well one of the reasons that we cut it shaved it off in the first place was you know on camera so i came home one night this isn't this is however many years ago it was eight years ago ten years ago i came home one night after the 11 o'clock news uh and so it's like 12 12 30 or something and i just kind of on friday and i knew monday we're going to start with the new lights and cameras and i thought you know if there's ever a time to do it let's do it so i shaved it now that that was the first time i shaved my mustache my upper lip, since I was a sophomore in college. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. So that goes back to, that went back to 1974.
1: Talk about Movember.
4: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I I shaved it off and the next day, and you know, then I, I go to bed. So the next morning I got up and I think I, I had to let the dogs out earlier or something. So I took some, I took a cup of coffee or something up to Sharon and she looked at me <laughs> And she kind of looked, and she couldn't quite figure out. She said, "Something there's something not. Something's right. different. Yeah, something's different, but I couldn't tell what it was." And then she then she started to laugh, and she said, "You you shave." we we had been married at that we've been married 41 years now we've been married 25 years at that point she'd never seen me without a mustache wow ever. Wow. wow wow so i was taking a big risk that she was going to dump me for tom Selleck at that point I just, Listen, I'm, I'm into the mustache if you're going to lose it I, I can't stay with that's you. that's a pal. legendary but stash she yeah. did
1: I'll, I'll speak for all that's seahawk fans everywhere steve when i just say we appreciate you so much man i mean the games would not be the same without your voice and your calls and We just, we, we love you to death, man. But Hey, speaking of showing up though, do you remember when a a young Lofa Tatupu showed up from USC? I
4: do. I do. I, you know, as, as we all know, Mike Holmgren was the coach and and Mike, uh, I've gotten to know Mike really well, both then and then, and in the, and since. And I, I, you know, he loved getting Matthew here and he had some, they had some good draft choices. I, I don't think I've ever heard him talk as positively and, and as glowingly about a player as he did Lofa. Mm-hmm. And, and it's gone right on through. Pete does the same thing. If, if we're talking, Pete and I are talking, I'm doing an interview with him and talking about, you know, the play of middle linebackers and all that sort of thing. And he's a defensive coach and he talks instincts, instinctive players. And the first name he mentions is Lofa Tutupu, who mm-hmm. he coached at USC so, yes, I know Lofa, uh, I, I remember him coming on the scene and just, uh, you know what I remember most about Lofa? Yeah, he could hit people and yeah, he could run and he seemed to always be in the right position. I hope I'm embarrassing you, by the way, Lofa. <laughs> That's why I <laughs> asked the question. I'm, I'm watching was, him turn
1: red. I'm getting
4: so, a sort of joy out of yeah, this. Yeah, myself. It was it was his his, as a young guy, first, second, third year guy, it was his leadership mm-hmm. that everybody... Everybody noticed, you know, he'd been a leader at USC, he'd been a leader in in, in all the teams that he'd ever played with. And it just carried over. And it would seem like such a natural transition for him. And he didn't miss a beat. And with this team, you know, National Football League sometimes, you know, will eat you up and spit you out. And uh, I I was just, I was uh, so thrilled for him and and so happy and excited for his play. And uh, he was was also, one of the guys who didn't sleep much on planes, which I can't do all the travel we do, so we'd, we'd end up standing like in the aisle by the galley talking on a flight coming back. And you know, I'm just we played where did we play one night? You had three interceptions, was it Philly, Philly. And Snow or yeah. something?
2: Yeah, Philly. and here we come
4: back, it's, it's like a Monday night and it's, it's four o'clock in the morning or some godforsaken time, and we're still flying back. And we're just standing there, you know, shooting the breeze and talking. And it, it was so good, you, you know, it was so fun to get to know guys like Lofa. And you know, you ask what might be one of the great, um, great things about this job, and yeah, being on radio and and all that is fun. And when I my TV career and being around football, all that's great. But it's getting to meet, you know, yes, all the guys that I knew and were teammates with Yoda and sure. Jim Zorn and all the guys. But it was getting to meet all these new guys, all yeah. the young guys. And today it's Tyler Lockett and, you know, the generation before him, it was Doug and um, Cam. And how, you know, the great citizens these guys are. And mm-hmm. and how, even though they're way more talented than I ever had hoped to be, but just we all played the same game. So yeah. we all have that that commonality about us. and. Um, That's. I think that's the thing that really impressed me so much about Lofa and still does. I mean, here he is in his second and third career now. And, and doing, you know, great things. And yeah. I just,
0: I
1: love it. Well, and you, so you took over the announcing in 2004. I mean, Lofa, you got to the league in 05, right? And so, I mean, that generation of Seahawks, that team, that Mike Holmgren team, right. the, the Matt Hasselbeck team, the Daryl Jackson, you know, those guys. Uh, by the way, well, inadvertently, I mean, are you the only person allowed to call Matt Matthew? Is that a rule? Uh, Is that written down did you, somewhere? Lofa, did
4: you guys ever call Matt Matthew? You're supposed to call
2: him Matthew. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, it, yeah, because that mom. was what his mom named him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Go
4: ahead. That was- oh. I heard you know who I heard say that I heard when when Mike took the job here, his offensive line coach was going to be Fritz Shermer and Fritz got sick and never was able to come here and become a coach. But I heard Fritz interviewed right after Mike got the job, or right after we got mad or something. And, and he talked about that. He said, you know, uh, I, something about um, Matthew. Is going to be a great quarterback or, or whatever, and and somebody asked him about it, and he said, "Well, that's his mom likes Matthew," and as soon as I heard that, I said, "There you go, that's, oh, that's funny. now the yeah. kind of the, the handle that I'm going to have." And so I called him Matthew. We come out after one of the games. Um, I can't remember; it might might have been still a, when it was Quest then. Yeah, but we came out after one of the games, and we walked out into the parking garage down kind of below um, the X or beside the X Hall. And I'm walking out, and I'm sort of behind Matt, but we're sort of talking. I think we had won the game. And and he said, uh, hey, do you have a second? And I, I was just walking over to my car to, to drive home. And I said, yeah, sure. He said, I want you to meet somebody. So he kind of dragged me over. And his dad, <coughs> excuse me, Don, I played against. I right. mean, I was a receiver. He was a tight yeah, end. tight
1: end with the Patriots back in the day, right? We were at yeah. the same
4: period of time which made me right away feel really old who played yeah, also you know. with Lofa's dad
1: right Lofa at the yeah. Patriots yeah, yeah right
4: and I, I played against uh, your dad too so it, uh, obviously I'm you know I'm everybody's granddad's age now so I, <laughs> I now I feel really desperately old but um so he brings me over to and he said this is my uh, Don. how you doing I you know we played against each other and he said yeah I remember blah 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 and Matthew said and and this is my mom uh, and she said you call him Matthew and I said, yes, ma'am, I do. Yeah. And she said, thank you. That's his name. We love that. And oh, Matt that's said, great. he's the only one that calls me Matthew. <laughs> and I said, well, OK, so I, if I die tomorrow, I can die a happy man because I called him Matthew for his entire career. And I still do. Uh, I did when we inducted him into the Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it, just, it just and it also, as you know, Lofa, it just sort of fits him. You know, it
2: is very distinguished,
4: very, with you know, on Sunday mornings with his tie on for ESPN and his nice little bald head. And he just Matthew just sort of fits. it.
1: We got a guy here, Lofa, who has literally seen it all with the Seahawks. Yeah. And I'm sure you've spoke on this before, Steve, but I just want to get your perspective. Like the relationship between the team and the fans. I mean, I'm a 12. I'm a lifelong. I'm a 12th man. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Copyright laws be damned. I'm a I've been a 12th man my whole life. I, I've, wa- I've seen the number hanging up in the rafters. I mean, it's such a special relationship yeah. with a sports franchise and a community. And, and you saw that relationship build. And then, of course, you saw the number get retired and everything. Can you just speak for a, a bit on the relationship between the fans and the Seahawks? First of all,
4: I'll, I'll, I'll mention the, the retirement of the, the number 12. You know, there's only been one player in the history of the franchise to wear that jersey. And he'd be the first person to tell you. Same Sam retirement, <laughs> yes. They retired it for him. Sam was he. He say, Yeah. Oh, they retired my jersey. It's hanging in the rafters. Sam, for crying out loud, he was on the sidelines more than I was. For God's sake, we were we were made honorary seagulls. We were on the sidelines so so uh, so, yeah. But I love him. He was my roommate, so I can say this about him. We roomed together for six years. Uh, Actually, five years. My last five years. My first year, uh, Yoda Largent was my roommate. And, uh, but oh my God, he snored unmercifully. <laughs> and it, it sounded like, oh, no. you know, geese hitting the back door. <laughs> you know, and a bang. And it just, oh, you couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't sleep. So I said, Z, you know, Z, take him, will you? And those guys, they went off and then Sam and I. So uh, what the hell was the question again? Well, oh, so- the 12th, Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, the 12. We, the kingdom, was the loudest place on the planet. Mm-hmm. You put a concrete roof over top of 63,000, 62,000 people, and it was unbelievable. And from the first game, it was loud, and it was terrific. Great home field advantage. And, of course, you guys might be too young to remember. They tried. The league tried to outlaw that. The league, we, we played the Raiders uh, on, a, I think, a Monday night, and it was so loud. Uh, their quarterback could not be heard, and he would keep stepping away from the center because he couldn't. They couldn't hear him. His teammates couldn't hear him. And the officials said, "We're going to throw a flag on the Seahawks for so much noise. They won't let. Wow. They won't let the team continue. They wow. had a rule about too wow. much
3: noise in the stadium.
4: And all that did. He stepped back. Mark Wilson, I think, was the quarterback. Of BYU, and then played with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd step back. And the crowd would get even louder. I mean, oh, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was crazy. That's, yeah, that's the last thing you should do is entice the twelve. Yeah. They <laughs> weren't the 12s then, but they became the twelve. So yeah, it's it's been that way ever since. There was a little bit of a lull. You know, we had some tough times in the late '90s and mid '90s. We had some games, some seasons in there that weren't so great, but the fans were still terrific, yeah. and uh, and they have been ever since. I I, I can't tell you how how encouraging and how fun it is just even yesterday to walk down that tunnel and just walk out to the sidelines. And, you know, there's still enough people who, you know, mostly it's grandparents, but who remember and Hey, Ray, how you doing? And then the players, and it's just, it's terrific. Uh, that's cool. Listen, you know, as Lofa can tell you, he traveled to a lot of teams, a lot of stadiums around the, the league. And I have for all these years now, 40, 47 years, and they're not all like this. Uh, believe me, there are some that are really good. Kansas City is good, yeah. but there are a lot of places that you know aren't. Hmm. And uh, we're we're blessed here. They, they their fans love our fans love the Seahawks.
1: Well, what would you say to the twelves this season then?
4: I'd say be patient. I, it's really tough to do. I know, uh, and especially when everybody wants immediate satisfaction. If you're a, mm. if you're a fan, but it sometimes these things take a little time. Uh, it's guys don't, every player is different. So they sort of get it at different times. Um, I talked to Pete last week and, you know, you start thinking that a team, especially of young players and, and kind of a new system too, the three, four, as opposed to the four, three. And there are some subtle differences. It's not wildly different, but it could take five games, maybe four games, five games, Nobody wants to wait that long. Mm. And I think offensively we made a ton of progress yesterday. I, I yeah I, the first thing I thought when it was over, gosh, this is a disappointing loss, but I really felt a lot better about the way we ran the ball, Gino threw the ball well till right at the very end with that pick at the end and that was sort of almost in desperation. In desperation, now. yeah.
1: Yeah, trying to make a play.
4: I thought we played I thought we played a really good game. Uh, defensively, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so I just tell the fans Hang in there. There's a lot of really good athletes. And the other thing, and I think fans sometimes forget this. If you look at Twitter, sometimes you can tell (laughs) that they forget. Oh, don't look at Twitter. Twitter.
1: Just don't even bother.
4: But suddenly did did coaches like Clint Hurt and, and Sean Desai and Pete Carroll, did they suddenly get dumb? Did they suddenly not know how to coach defense? No. They understand the game and they understand what it takes to put all these guys into the right spot.
2: I need your Mount Rushmore. We always do this. Oh, right? And we got to get back to doing this of Seahawks football.
4: Wow, of Seahawks football. Yeah, I yeah. feel terrible about this because I know I'm going to leave people out. Hey, well, yeah, there's only out. four four faces happens, up there. Man. So that people That's are right. going to get, get left out. Up there, in there. All yeah. right.
1: I do have one question then about Russ, because Steve, oh. you're a guy who's known for catchphrases. I mean, my kid runs around the house going "Are you kidding me?" all Sunday long. Uh, Your and then of son course needs
4: a, he needs some help. He you, needs some professional assistance. He does. Well, he holy does. Catfish. Maybe if
1: you could come talk to him and let him know. Um, but also, you got holy catfish, of course. Yeah. Uh, Russ now has "Let's ride." What do you think of yeah. Russ's catchphrase?
3: Well,
4: you know, I, I don't know that he needs one, but, you know, it, it was, you know, go Hawks here. That's, you know, that, that's pretty standard. Let's ride out there is, is, you know, a little bit hokey, cowboy-ish. But, you know, he was also, I know Russ well enough to know that he's going to do everything that he can do on the football field. But that's mm-hmm. just who he is. He's going to be better prepared than everybody. He's going to understand things better. He's going to prepare himself better but he's also understands that not only do you win football games out on the field, but you have to win those fans over. And so he, you know, he's got a great sense for that. And so I can see where the, the let's ride came from. Um, You know, it it is what it is. Tell you what, if they don't start cleaning up some of what they're doing, he's they're going to ride him and his coach, out as fast as they wrote him in, but I, I think they'll be they'll be fine. If they got too much talent up there in Denver, their yeah. defense is really good. He's got some targets, you know. Again, a whole new system, a new yeah. coach who's never been a head coach before. Who's trying? He's also trying to figure out, and he's leaning on Russ a lot. On you know, think about it. Who who has won more games in the fourth quarter than Russell Wilson? Not many. So that's the kind of guy you want to have in those situations. Now he's. I, he, I, I'm seeing him not be quite as accurate as as I remember him being. But yeah. in the down the stretch run the other night, last night, that yeah. was him. Pull the ball down, get just enough yards for the first down. Fire that shot and we your. That was that was Russ, and they yeah. won the game because of that. So, yeah,
1: that back shoulder yeah. throw there in that drive was was yeah. I, 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 beautiful. They're,
4: they're going to yeah. be fine. And-
1: Last thing to do with you here, Steve. I mean, I could talk to you all day,
4: man. I really just such a big fan. Yeah, we could talk to you forever. It was supposed to be ten minutes, but uh, last last thing to do before you go, let me put the screen down a little. Yeah, man. Oh, the sun is kind of blasting me out of here. I can't even see you guys.
1: Well, we've talked for so long; it's in a completely different place in the sky. <laughs> exactly.
4: Exactly. Oh, there we go.
0: That's um,
1: okay. Ra- rapid fire here at the end with Steve Rabel. I've got some questions for you, my man. Let's put some uh, intense music on. And, and like
4: one-word, two-word answers, uh, <laughs>
1: whatever you want. It's rapid fire. Both has got things to do. I it's have just, a feeling like, we'll get go over here. Time. Let's go. First, <laughs> Not first, first question all for you, sir: <laughs> Heads or tails? You go heads oh, or tails? Oh, I thought
4: you were going <laughs> to ask me a question. Yeah. Oh, do I, do I call oh, wait, heads or tails? Steve, that's my
1: fault. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me do that better. Come on, come on, get my line reading right. Ready? I'll do it again. First question: heads or tails?
4: Very good. Uh, tails.
1: <laughs> Why did you wear the number that you wore? Was there any reason?
4: Because they, they gave it to me. There you go. I had no choice.
1: If you were called upon, would you rather be a punt or sorry? If called upon, would you rather punt or punt return?
4: Boy, punt return is a dangerous business. It uh, is. But I did a little of that. I'd probably go punt return until I got my block knocked off. <laughs> nice.
1: What was your go-to halftime snack as a player, and what's your go-to halftime snack as a broadcaster?
4: Well, there, aren't, there were no halftime snacks when I was a player. Ah. I go back far enough that what you had, if you were... If you were an older player, you went in the, the bathroom and you smoked a cigarette. That was your halftime snack. <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, truly, that's what you did. You went and smoked a cigarette. Back when men were mad mad. Sometimes you didn't even go into the bathroom. You just sat in your locker. Wow! And you smoked a cigarette, and then you went back out in the half, in second half. Listen, we're, we're that's the way the game was in those days. I wish I played uh, my in the halftime 70s. snack today. I I generally don't eat anything. Uh, and, and here's the here's a secret. Lofa, when you become a play by play guy, here's a secret. Only drink water or hot tea. Mm-hmm. Do not drink a fizzy drink. Because for the first half of the third quarter, you're talking like this and you're, and you're trying to call a play and you're... so don't don't do the don't Yeah, do you don't want to burp time.
1: in the middle of your touchdown Seahawks. No, that's that's really I'll uh, make a note no. of that.
4: Uh, (laughs) So write that down. Steve,
1: they didn't have uh, Madden the video game when you were a player. No, they
4: didn't. I don't think Madden Madden was born when I
1: played. (laughs) Uh, If they did, what do you think your speed rating would have
4: been? I have no idea what that means. Out of 100. I I have played Madden. I I don't know what any of that stuff is. We used to have those... Football games that was on a little electric thing yeah and it vibrators were plastic and they'd shake and they vibrate but yeah yeah exactly the thing would vibrate and that yeah. was we, there was no we didn't have we didn't have uh, there was no cell phones there was no media there's none of this okay stuff. i'll help
2: out here braves what was your skill set was it speed was yeah. it okay
4: yeah. so it, then- I, personally as a player yeah. yes yeah. I was much faster than I was a good route runner. Okay. I was, I've John Schneider and I have had this conversation. I was more that guy who would, you know, that's why I cleared out so much. That's why yes. I wanted to cut You would open up the field. field. Yeah. Because I'd clear everybody. Send him on the go route. He'd come running underneath. they send Yoda they'd underneath. Yeah. What the heck? My man that's took
2: the top right. off of oh, let's, that's, let's I, I, a defense. Oh,
4: let's, let's give him a 90. Let's give him a 90. i downfield like a crazy person. So, so I ran a four three five, 3 40. Oof. And a nine four hundred when I was oh. in college, Ooh. so that's yards, Damn. not meters. Yeah. Uh, but I was a sprinter, and uh, and and but I could catch the ball pretty well. But I wasn't the greatest route runner. And when I played, we didn't have a receiver coach. There was one coach who coached quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends, and he was the offensive coordinator all at the same time. Wow. wow. So you know you didn't get a lot of personal kind of attention. Jeez. So, but that was just the nature of the beast in those days.
1: So between you and Largent in a foot race you you smoke him.
4: Yeah, but Steve was sneaky fast. Yeah. Steve it was amazing. Everybody underestimated his speed. And and he'd get behind Louie Wright and Mike Haynes, some of the best mm. defensive backs in the business at that time, who all could run. Wow. But he knew how to put that shake and bake on them and he'd leave them <laughs> a little bit flat-footed and then he was yeah. really great on the acceleration. So, yeah, he was he was fast enough. He had football speed. And you know there are a lot of times when I wish I'd had more of, you know, his skill set, which was the great pass running, route running, and the unbelievable hand.
3: Yeah. But you
4: know, listen, we can't all we can't all be you know Steve Largent.
1: Honestly, that's why
4: that's why he's in the Hall of Fame and his his jersey is hanging in the rafters.
1: On a scale of one to ten, how cool are the Seahawks throwback uniforms, and how much do you (laughs) want to see the current team wear those silver helmets?
4: man, I'd love that. Yeah. Oh, that throwback, that baby blue kind of with the, with the big Seahawk head and the green
2: mm-hmm. and,
4: and then the silver pants. Oh, I, I could die and go to heaven. That'd be, that'd be terrific. Uh, I'd, I'd have to buy me some of that stuff. Normally I don't buy, you know, apparel, but I'd have to, I've got, I've got an old Jersey, you know, the old color Jersey. I've got that. I don't have any pants. They wouldn't let us take anything. I mean, I didn't even get out of there with a jock strap or oh, a wow. t-shirt. Nothing. Oh, come on. That, that, no, I swear to you, nothing. They auctioned I, got, it. I got my jersey. A lot of guys take their helmets and their shoes. Did you get your helmet? I did. I damn did you get sure your shoulder pads? Nothing. Right. No. I don't, I don't they know. They gave my that. stuff immediately. I wasn't even out. To, I hadn't even pulled out of the parking lot. And they gave my stuff to the next player. Oh, producer so, Producer Katie. to keep any of that stuff. Producer
1: Katie just found your jock strap on eBay. Really? Actually.
4: Really? Wow. Okay. Well, I, that, that, the extra small. Okay. We'll, we'll, sell,
2: we'll sell it back to you. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> Honestly, we didn't get anything. I got two awesome. left. Okay. These Second have been terrific, to last. by the way. I've really enjoyed this.
1: What is your favorite Pete-ism? Pete-ism?
4: Mm-hmm. I also thought you were going to say Knoxism. Uh, oh well. Pete, Pete-ism. Wow, um, you know Pete is is well. He you know he's got those his his three main rules, uh, and I'm assuming he had them at, at USC too. Yep. I don't know if I have them all in the right order, but don't hurt the team, uh-huh. be on time, and um, what was the third one, Bo?
2: No whining, no bitching. no There you go. That's
4: it. That's it. But don't I'm hurt not. the team. I, that, that's the team. one. Protect
2: that, the team. Yeah. Yeah. Protect, protect the, the team. team. Yeah.
4: That's the one that I always I always thought that's important because. You know, you, when you're a young guy and you come in and suddenly you have money and you can put yourself in, and see, this is not, isn't just on the football field, protect the team. It's also when you're out in life yeah. doing your, your stuff. Uh, and And, you know, I always thought that that was admirable that think about your teammates, the team, the organization that was here before you and it's going to be here long after you. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to sully your reputation or their reputation. So just... Protect the team. I, I always thought that that was a, that was a good
1: one. That's great. And yeah. a final question. We ask everybody this question. Um, and I for you, I mean, only having not been to four games in person, you've seen it all. What is your favorite Seahawk play?
4: Well, I can tell you what my favorite Seahawk call is. How would that be? Sure. Because I get asked that a lot. Yeah. I've, I've been able to happily call a lot of them. Uh, and it was really simple, and it was as the clock was ticking down in Midtown, or in, uh, in the Meadowlands in New Jersey, and I said, 12s, they're bringing the trophy home, your Seahawks Super Bowl yeah. eight champs. That is the one thing that I will remember, long after I forget where I put my car keys, I will remember that, because it was the first, and still the only, time that we could say we've won a championship, the Super Bowl. And... Trust me when I tell you there was nothing like it, <laughs> even as far removed from being a player as I was mm-hmm. just to be a part of the organization and, and just to sit there and watch all that confetti rain down and to see the guys celebrate on the field. Um, you know, I thought that Lofa, I, I, I knew you guys were going to win that game. You were the better team that day. And it turned out not to be the case. And I was heartbroken for you guys because the season that you had was incredible. You should have been champions and you just had you had too many guys get hurt in key positions and some terrible calls go against you and and it was unfortunate. But we can still say we've got a Super Bowl banner hanging in the in the,
2: the city the, got their man. title. Yeah. Man, man.
4: And and that was that was that was really great. I I will forever be thankful to have had that opportunity. And after the game at the after party uh, at the hotel I I had gotten to know over the years I got to know Paul Allen a little bit and I just I walked up to him and, and really thanked him for not only helping bring it to the the championship to the city but for you know letting me have an opportunity this guy who you know just a few years before was the analyst on radio and before that was you know learning the business and um, so it, it's in that respect been a great ride And and I hope I get to say that again uh, before this is all over. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood. Knowing Pete and John, I, I like my chances of being able to say that one more time.
1: Oh, man, we do too. And yeah. and we certainly hope so too. Steve, thank you so much for your time, man. This was our rapid fire uh, section and it went nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I could just talk to you forever, man. We really appreciate you and your time and coming on the show and, and everything. And, uh, you know, take the word back to the guys there at the building that the Take 12 podcast is, you know, here to stay in a place where they can come hang out.
4: Absolutely. By the way, do you cut this down now to like a three minute bit? Is that what happens? Oh, no,
1: we'll release this uncut all four and a half hours.
4: Very nice to meet you. You guys, you, you kids. Uh, I, I've known Lofa for so long now. It's, it's like family. And so as soon as he said, hey, would you like to do this? And I said, hey, absolutely. Just cool. call me. Let me know. So, yeah. you know, again, if you have trouble, you know, if you're ever in a bind and you need a guest, uh, don't call me because I've really got a lot of things. I'm, I'm very busy. So, no, but I, I, I love it. It's great. It's, it's fun to be able to tell stories. And believe me, there are a lot more after 47 years. There are a lot more where that came from. Most of them I can't tell, but we'll, we'll, we'll get by.
1: We can imagine. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Right, okay, I appreciate guys. you, brother. Thank
4: you, Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Katie, nice to meet you. So
0: nice to meet
1: you. All. Hold on. So now, to redo that again. Are you kidding me? Holy catfish, what a guest! I'm pretty sure my mom has a huge crush on Steve Rabel, also. (laughs) From all his years of being on the news. And of course, from the silky tones of his voice while she listens to Seahawk games, but that was just as big for my mom as it was for all of us, guys. Remember, you guys can find the full conversation on our Patreon. Patreon.com Take12Pod and we do appreciate you becoming a Patreon. And we do appreciate you becoming a patron over there. No, I'm not editing it out. If you sign up for the Patreon, you might be our first patron. So go check it out. That's the show today. Thanks to our sponsors Heritage Distilling, Fit My Foot, Bet Online, Butcher Box, Simply Seattle. And it sounded like I was going to say more, but I think that was the end of the list. <laughs> Who put an ellipses in the prompter? We'll be back next week to preview the game that is... No. Now, we'll do it live. Stay with me. We will be back next week to pre... <laughs> I can't do it if you're going to laugh. All right. All right. We'll be back next week to recap the game that was and preview the game that is. For all of the interns around here and producer Katie and The Missing Link, I'm Brett reminding all of you to be kind and take care of each other. That's what I say on the morning show, but I'll say it here too. (laughs) Oh, man. Hands in the middle, everybody. Let's break this thing down. In honor... Of future Seahawks Hall of Famer Steve Rabel. Let's break it down to catfish, everybody. Catfish on three, catfish on me. One, two, three. Catfish! Catfish!
0: Get it together, Brett.